Hi, welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Alex Papas, Senior Pastor at Oceans Unite Christian Center. Amen. Can we hear enough sermons? Right? Amen. <laughs> I'll get to it in just a moment. Don't worry. Well, how, how can I, how, who do I think I am? Well, I mean, you know, then Jeremiah's got a problem and Isaiah's got a problem and donkeys have problems and all kinds of people that spoke, they have a problem. Because when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, when he comes upon you, you must respond. You must respond. The Bible says that prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. It's to bring life to something that needs life. This should be completely normal in church. This should be what we do all the time. Come on. This is lovely. I'm so tired of dead religion. You can't give life to a fly, man. Dead religion. Jesus was alive. Jesus came and he gave life. We, he went and he spoke to the religious, to the dead, and he gave life to those who had no hope. Come on. Amen. All right. I'll behave. If you study scripture, it is absolutely amazing. Because the Old Testament and the New Testament, they flow into each other in the most remarkable way. It's one word. You know, it's not the words of God, it's the word of God. It's one word that he's spoken that gives absolute life to us. The words in the book of Genesis are just as powerful as the words in the book of Revelation. They're incredible. They're powerful. They give life. Every word in his word is remarkable, life-changing, life-giving. But we must choose his word over any other word. And you're going to need his word next year like you've never needed his word before. Because the dividing line between true and false will be incredible next year. And you will recognize the darkness. Don't run to it. Run to the light. Where's the light? Well, what did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's also the Word of God. Jesus is the Word. He was in the beginning, and nothing was made outside of Him. He was right there at the beginning, and He is the Word. The Word come in the flesh and dwelled amongst us. Did you know that everything that He did from the moment He was born was foretold by prophets years before, hundreds of years before? The Bible is so remarkable that even 700 years before his birth, there were men that God spoke to and gave a word to about how he would be born, about where he would be born. We read these things as though they're normal. There's nothing normal about some guy getting a word about where Jesus would be born, about how he would be born, and then it coming to pass 
seven, eight hundred, five hundred years later. It's remarkable. God's word is so powerful. If we look at the birth of Jesus, and I just want to focus this morning on just a few things regarding his birth. There are many prophecies in scripture about his whole life, but I want to focus this morning just on a few regarding his birth. Some of them are just so powerful. Isaiah 7 verse 14 says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Matthew 1 verse 20, we'll see the fulfillment of this prophecy through Isaiah 700 years later. But while... While he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. This is Joseph. In a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophets, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with, with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. You see, his name is Emmanuel, but really what it is, is it's his description of what he came to do. It's what his title was. He came, he was God with us. Emmanuel, but he is Jesus, the Savior of the world. Yeshua, Jesus, same thing. Yeshua in Hebrew, Jesus in English, or in Greek, actually. So it's not important. What's important is who it is that you speak about. Who it is, do you know him? Of what spirit is he? That's what's important. He was Jesus, the Messiah, prophesied about that he would come and be born of a virgin. This is amazing, and it happens 700 years later. God with us, that he would come and dwell amongst us, come and be a, a child and, and grow. It's incredible to think that God would take his son, send his son to earth, have to be a baby, grow up, endure everything he did to save you and I. I don't know about you, but I am beyond, far beyond grateful, far beyond grateful for what Jesus has done. Micah 5 verse number 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, thought, though, though you are little among thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from of old, from everlasting. Incredible to think that Micah prophesies that out of Bethlehem will come the ruler of Israel, the one who's of old, from everlasting. In other words, he's speaking about things that would make absolutely no sense. Doesn't make sense because the Messiah that's coming can't be the Son of God. He should be like David was. He should be a Messiah, but he shouldn't be the Son of God. Didn't make sense. Couldn't be everlasting. Doesn't make sense. But the prophet speaks these words. And hundreds of years later, in Luke 2, verse number 1, it says, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first took place while Quirinius was, governor, was governing Syria. 
So all went to be registered, everyone in his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed to her, for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. It's incredible to think that a prophet foresaw that out of Bethlehem would come the Messiah and then we see it fulfilled in the book of Luke from Bethlehem. Again, you think about it, you, if you don't really take the time to actually put it into true perspective, you'll never realize just how remarkable it actually is that this could happen. The prophet Hosea makes a statement. He says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. Random word of God that comes to him. In Matthew 2.13, we see a fulfillment of this. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. So we can see again that Jesus fulfills prophecy through the prophets, and it happens in the life of Jesus, Joseph, and Mary. It's incredible. It's incredible to think. I think one of the things that to me is most remarkable that many of us never truly grasp is if you read the Bible, there are still parts of the Bible that have not been fulfilled. The book of Revelation, which we're going to do a teaching on early next year, and I'm looking so forward to that. that most of that has not happened yet. What does that mean for you? And why is that important? That means that you are in the story. You are in that story. Your name might not be written in the book, but I want you to know there are books in heaven that your name is in. Your name are in books in heaven. Are you with me? That means that your life does mean something. But what will you do when you are faced with making decisions every day? And especially when it comes to standing up for what is truly right. Last night I shared with, with the group that was here that are really well behaved and come to church on Saturday nights. I shared with them about how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego resisted the, the culture when a decree was made that you, when the, when the different instruments played, that you would have to bow down and worship the, the created image, the, the golden image, they refused to do it. Why did they refuse to do it? Because God said, you shall worship no other God besides me. You will not bow down to any other God besides me. And they'd made a decision that they were going to stand with God's word over anything that any king or any leader or any person said. They were going to put him first. And when this decree went out and they refused to bow the knee, the Bible says that the nations and all the people that were there bowed down, but they didn't. Only three guys chose not to follow that we're aware of. 
And immediately the king, Nebuchadnezzar, gets so angry, he gets so upset. The Bible says his face even changed because of his anger. And they ended up being thrown into the fiery furnace. Do you know that while they were in the fire, Nebuchadnezzar looks into the fire, basically wanting to see them burn because he's mad that they didn't obey. And as he looks, he sees something that wasn't there before. The Bible says that as he looks, he says to these, those with him, he says, basically, am I seeing things? Because all of a sudden, there's a fourth man in the fire. All of a sudden, there is one, and he has the liking, the image of, of, of the Son of God. And Nebuchadnezzar sees this, and he's so impacted, so touched. And why did it happen? Because there were three individuals that chose not to submit to that culture, but to submit to the Word of God. And what's most remarkable to me about the story, you don't come to church on Saturday, so I'm going to tell you now. Is that okay? What's most remarkable is that when they come out, the Bible says that they didn't smell of smoke. Not even their hair was singed by the fire. But what's to me the most powerful thing is that the king then is so impacted by what took place that he says their God must be the only God. And I want you to understand that in this hour that we are going into, whether it be another one year or another 100 years, doesn't matter. But the fact is we are definitely in important times, no question, no question, no question. And if you will be one that will stand up for what is true, what is right, what is honorable, what is his word, I want you to know the impact that you will make on those that watch you, make those decisions, will change the lives of possibly hundreds, who knows? The story is still being written. Jesus came and he was born in that manger. And we know the story that he lived his life and he served God with his whole life. He served the Father with his whole life, with his whole heart. And he ends up going to the cross for you and I so that we could be saved. To continue the mission that he came to fulfill. He came to save us and to establish his kingdom on earth again. It is our job to continue that mission. Are you with me? And I want to show you just three or four things real quick. You know, in, in, in next year, I'm going to do a series. I did a series this year on who is the Holy Spirit. Next year, I will do a series on who is Jesus. But I want to show you just one scripture that describes who he is to us. I think it's so powerful. And then we'll... See what the Lord does. Is that okay? If you want to know why I'm so passionate, I can't be any other way. I just can't do it. Because I'm passionate about Him. I'm so passionate about Him. Isaiah 9, verse number 6. Let's go there. Isaiah 9, verse number 6. So fitting for the season. For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given. The first thing I want you to see in this scripture is that Jesus was given 
He was given. He was a gift. He was given by the Father. And yes, he came in the form of a child. But I want you to understand that he was already always there. The decision was made by the Father that he would give his only son. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's what God did for you and I. And you must recognize that it was, he was given. Jesus was actually given to us. And then the Bible goes on and says, And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. The first word I want us to look at is the word wonderful. How many of you in this place believe, come on, that Jesus is wonderful? Jesus is wonderful. He is wonderful. Judges 13, 18 says it like this. And the angel of the Lord said to him, we know the angel of the Lord is Jesus. Why do you ask my name? Seeing it is wonderful. He is wonderful. He was wonderful before he came to this earth. He was wonderful in his birth. He was wonderful in his life on the earth. He was wonderful in his death. And he was wonderful in his resurrection. And I want you to know that if you choose him, he is wonderful now. He shall ever remain at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and I. I don't know about you, but someone who stands in the gap for me, someone who prays for me, someone who loves me, someone who saves me, I call him wonderful. He is wonderful. He is wonderful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Counselor. Isaiah 11 verse number one says this. Another prophetic word about the Messiah. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. I want to stop there just for a minute. I want to say something. When a word is given like that, you must understand the enemy goes berserk. When God speaks like that, just put it up on the screen for me. Let's read it real quick. And there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. A branch shall grow out of his roots. The enemy looks at this and is desperate to stop what has been spoken. He is desperate to stop that from taking place. But you see, when God speaks, all that's required is that you obey. All that's required is that you obey. And when he speaks, look at what the word says. Go on. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And in that day when Jesus stood in the temple and he opened the book, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has anointed me to set the captive free. Come on, Jesus came and he fulfilled that word. But you must understand that all of hell desired greatly for that word that was spoken not to come to pass. All of hell was against that word coming to pass. But God had spoken. And when God speaks, his word shall not return to him void, but shall accomplish that that it has been sent out to do. 
The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. This is the expression of the Holy Spirit in Jesus and through Jesus. It says, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of counsel. Let me tell you something. Many of us run to all kinds of different people to find the solutions to all of our problems. I want you to know that there is a counselor. There is a counselor who is wonderful, who is mighty God, who is an everlasting Father, who will always speak to you and give you life. You see, the truth is you can go for help all over the place, but there is only one that when you go to Him, not only will He give you the Word, but the Word that He give you will, gives you will give you life. It will, it will give you life. It will, bring you, it will bring you alive. It will put to death the things that the enemy desires to do in your life. He is our wonderful counselor. Come on, somebody. He is our wonderful counselor. That's one of my favorite scriptures. I could stay there all morning. Oh, man. I am so proud of our worship team. You know? Thank you, guys. There's nobody there, so... <laughs> Don't you think our worship team just does an amazing job? Amen. Man, I just feel so blessed to be the pastor of this amazing worship team. He is our counselor. If you want to know how to handle every situation, your marriage, your children, your finances, your business, everything, just go to the counselor. What is he? He is, he is the word. He will give you every solution. But you have to make a choice. The Bible says that he is mighty God. He is mighty God. Now you must understand how important this scripture really is. Because remember the Jews believe that there is only one God. And they are right. There is only one God. So to have a savior, to have a, the son of God also be God was very difficult for them to grasp. This concept was almost impossible and almost sound, sounded like it was wrong. But Jesus not only was the son of God, but was also God. And so we see in Titus 2 verse 13, it says, Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and savior, Jesus Christ. I want you to know that he is not only your savior, but he is also your God. Can you say amen? amen? Jesus is our savior. He is our God as well. Then he goes on and he says, he says this. He says, everlasting father. I have absolutely no problem with this. Many people get confused. They think, well, he's the son of God. So how can he be the father? Listen, he cleared this up for us himself. Jesus cleared this up for us himself. If we go to John 14, verse number 6, this is what it says. Jesus said to him, he was with his disciples. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If, I had known, if, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. 
So Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. In other words, he's saying, I don't understand what you're saying. This doesn't make any sense to me. Please show us the Father, and we'll be satisfied. We'll believe. So Jesus answers in the most remarkable way. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? And the words that I speak, you, the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. You must understand that you can worship Jesus as God. He is God. Yes, he's the Son of God, and the Father is the Father, but he is in the Father as well. Are you with me? He is one God, but three expressions, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So don't worry about it. Don't skip over it. Don't not teach about it because it's powerful. In other words, if you know Jesus, you know the Father. Listen to me. If you know the Holy Spirit, you know Jesus. Same Spirit. Same God. People get all upset. Oh, you know, don't worship the Holy Spirit. Why not? He's God. Most of us feel comfortable worshiping Jesus, but there are many that do not. Because as far as they're concerned, Jesus can't be God, but he is. There is no jealousy in the Trinity. He is our God. Can you say amen, somebody? Come on. <laughs> amen. Everlasting, everlasting Father. And I really think that this is probably my favorite. He is the prince of peace. The truth is, is that every single one of us desire to have true peace. Because without peace, we do all kinds of silly things. But with real peace, there's just nothing like it. And the truth is, is that any peace you find in the world is only a temporary peace. Think about it. Every time you've had something or received something or something has given you some form of peace, it doesn't last that long. The only place that you can find consistent peace is in the presence of God. When you come to him. But the Bible describes Jesus as the prince of peace. And this is very powerful. Because generally in the English language, when we think of prince, we think of second in line. The next in line. The prince is going to take over from the king. But in the Bible, the word prince means a lot more than that. You see, the Bible tells us this, that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. What is a principality? A principality is a ruler. The principality is like a governor or a chief ruler. That's what a principality is. So a prince is a ruler. Jesus is the ruler of peace. He's in charge of peace. He rules with peace. He is the ruler of peace. This is so powerful. In other words, there is a righteous government that comes, and that righteous government comes from him, and that is the peace that you can have from the one who is the provider of all peace. Amen? Let me explain it to you like this. The Bible says this to us. In 1 Timothy 2 verse number 1, Therefore, I exhort first 
of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. In other words, if you want to live a quiet and peaceable life, the government needs to change. Okay, That doesn't mean that they have to change hands, but we need to pray for them that God will touch them, that God will encounter them, because if they make righteous decisions and good decisions, we will live a quiet and peaceable life. That's why at Oceans, we pray for the government every single prayer meeting. We pray for our nation. We pray for our county commissioners. We pray for those in authority. Why? Because we want to live a peaceable life. That's what Scripture says we should do. You don't have to pray for Jesus, you can pray to him because he is the prince of peace. He's the one who provides peace. The government is upon his shoulders. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. He's the one who supplies peace to us. Listen, when Jesus came, he came preaching a gospel. What is gospel? Gospel is good news. What type of gospel did he preach? He preached a gospel of the kingdom. What does that mean? That means he preached a gospel of dominion. He preached a gospel of the kingdom of rulership and rulership was about to change on the earth when Jesus came and was born on the earth and as he stepped everywhere he went every piece of place that he went was given unto him he had all authority and all power and everywhere he went lives were impacted lives were changed lives were transformed why? because the prince of peace the one who ruled with peace came and he would provide peace to the broken to the hurting to the lost and to the dying and if you choose him if you choose Jesus, you can experience that same peace. That's how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could go to the fire. That's how Daniel could go to the lion's den. That's how Caleb could say, listen, I will go and fight Anak because I know who is with me. And they didn't even know the Prince of Peace the way we do. You are so much more blessed than they were. And look at their faith. Come on, church. We need to wake up. We need to rise up. We need to take a hold of everything. Jesus came and said, the kingdom of God is at hand. And then before he went, he said this. He said, listen, they will say, where's the kingdom? Is it over there or is it over there? And he said, no. The kingdom is inside you. In other words, when the Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of you, the rule of God lives in you. That means that when you speak his word, it's power and authority. That's why the Bible says the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. When you speak with the sword of the spirit, why is it a two-edged sword? It's a two-edged sword because it's God's word and your mouth are coming out of your mouth, which makes it a two-edged sword. And it is powerful. God is waiting for men to speak his word. God is waiting for men to take his word and speak his word. The question is, will we do it or will we choose everybody else's report? Will we choose every, everyone else's decision? Well, you know, today it doesn't matter. You know, you can just do whatever you want, live however you want, and it's acceptable. You know, Pastor Alex, don't, you know, don't, don't speak against homosexuality. Don't speak against gender identity crisis. Don't speak against that stuff. You know, don't speak against being controlled by the government. Don't speak. Why not? Why not? We have to speak against it. We have to speak God's word. We have to speak the truth. Because if we don't speak the truth, we will be locked up with darkness. Because the Bible says this, when the light shines in the darkness, the darkness cannot comprehend it. 
And unless you're speaking the truth, which is the word of God, there will be no true light. There will be no true life. There is no other answer. There is no other way. Amen. Amen. So the only way you'll have true peace is if you run to him. Because he is the prince, the chief ruler of peace. So powerful. I mean, if we had to go and look at all the different expressions of Jesus, we would be here a long time, which we'll do. And it is so powerful. But this just describes him as he comes into the world as a child. But he was no ordinary child. He was the king of kings. He was and is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You know, just give me your hand, mom. This is my mom, guys. And let me tell you, she's a really special lady. She's a really special lady. I remember when I was a child, <clears throat> I remember her always saying to me, son, make sure that you make the right choices. When it came to girls and stuff, he said, don't do what you're not supposed to do. I'll never forget it. I actually remember even the day she said that to me when I was young and wanting to not do good things. <laughs> That's right. I was also bad, just like you. Okay? But I remember her speaking those words to me. And I listened to her most of the time. You know, just take a hold of God. Take a hold of Him. You know, you... I just want to hold her hand. Is that okay? Yes. You know, you have to make a choice, guys. Because the truth is right there in front of you. But you have to take a hold of it. The most powerful thing that we can do as Christians is surrender to God. Because He wants to rule. He also wants to rule in your house. That's why we confess Him as Lord. Because he's our Lord and he comes and, he, and, and when we surrender to him, listen, and when that happens, you're not going to be scared of the 666. You're not going to be scared of the mark of the beast. You're not going to be scared of whether it's rapture, no rapture. You're not going to be scared of tribulation, no tribulation. Why? Because the Lord is leading your life. The Lord is ruling. So take a hold of him. Take a hold of him. Take a hold of him. Take a hold of him this morning. Come on, somebody. Take a hold of him. This morning, make a decision to take a hold of him. Take a hold of the Prince of Peace. Take a hold of the King of Kings. Take a hold of the Lord of Lords. Surrender your life. Surrender your heart. I believe that every week there needs to be a call of action to the body of Christ. We must surrender. We must be hungry. We must be thirsty. There are people in this room that God has been calling you, but you've been living a nominal Christian life. What does that mean? Just normal blase. I want you to know there is nothing normal about your God. And if there is nothing normal about your God and He lives on the inside of you, there is nothing normal about you. All you have to do is pick up your cross and begin to follow Him. Take Him by the hand in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody, give the Lord a shout. Amen. Amen. The Prince of Peace. That's our Savior. This week, we are heading towards the end of the year. And I just want to encourage every one of you. I am so fortunate and blessed to be your pastor. I love what I do so much. 
But I always say to the Lord, if I can just, Lord, if I can just get them to serve you with their whole heart, just because the Bible says that if you taste and see, you will know that he is good. So I pray for you this Christmas season that his hand will be upon you, that he will make his face shine upon you, that he will bless you and protect you and you will be bold as lions in this new year. I'm not speaking anything negative, but I know there are gonna be some challenging things, but we will rise to the occasion. We'll go through whatever fire we have to, into any lion's den that we have to, whatever we have to do, we'll do it. But know this, that the fourth man in the fire will always be with you, no matter what you go through, no matter what you face. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. For more teaching like this and other material, please visit our website at www.oceansunite.com.